Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. Watching the television whilst stranded in Fort Lauderdale while my wife attended to some medical problems the other day, I was really disappointed at the lack of truthfulness in reality regarding Easter. I know that I should not have allowed myself to be so disappointed. It should not have been a surprise. In our extremely secular society in the West, the concept of religion is nearly a foreign one. Except for pockets of understanding and familiarity, for example, among specific Christian enclaves, like churches and meeting the occasional believer, there is little regard around for religion. And even a further incongruity revolves around the apparent political correctness as authorities, in the States anyway, seem to overlook or to wink at the Muslim faith, permitting them to do and to engage in selective religious enterprises that are denied the more historic Christian faith. What a mixed up world we live in. Not so bad so far in the Bahamas, but I was in Florida at the time. We were approaching Easter. There were occasional references to Easter. On one show, an interior designer was showing interested watchers how to use creative thinking to produce an unusual and attractive table setting for entertaining over the Easter period. He was quite artistic. In using inexpensive and unusual items, he created a very attractive table layout. He never once mentioned the occasion that makes us celebrate Easter in the first place. His focus and attention centered on creativity and good hosting and the importance of making certain that the children had plenty of candy because he reminded us it is Easter and that the children think candy. Opportunity lost. But why do we have Easter? What's it all about anyway? Someone said to me that a friend of hers has a house full of eggs. Eggs of all descriptions and colors. Birds' eggs, chicken eggs, it doesn't matter. After all, eggs seem to represent Easter for many people, Christians included. After all, I guess Easter baskets fill our thoughts when it comes to Easter. We often give the children a beautifully decorated basket wrapped in bright colored cellophane, bound with a colorful bow, and filled with descriptions of fantasy candies to suit every taste and preference. Store shelves perpetuate the myth with row after row of delectable candy offerings in every shade and hue, often shaped like bunnies, baby chicks, or the ubiquitous egg. Who is missing? I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. 
Jesus Christ now lives in me. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. suffered though it will cost all you claim as yours your sacrifice will seem small beside the treasure eternity can't measure what Jesus holds in store requires cling to the one whose heart knew every pain receive from Jesus fountains of compassion only he can fashion your heart to move as his in you oh Lord Jesus make us bolder to face with courage the shame and disgrace you bore upon your That comes from dying Come trace the steps The Savior walked for you An empty tomb Concludes Golgotha's sorrow Endure then till tomorrow Your cross of cross the cross of Jesus
Whether by choice or design, the secularists have not had to fire a single bullet. People do not think of the Lord too often during Easter, I suspect. The devout reflect on the sacrifice of Calvary and the glorious occasion of the resurrection, and we are thankful and we worship appropriately in our places of worship. But the world outside is generally, specifically unaware. Sometimes they refuse to consider. Often they are simply oblivious. Have we failed to take the message of God's surpassing love to our friends and neighbours? They don't want to know, but they must. Broadcast media would be a wonderful and convenient place to do it, but it's not politically correct to do it. They might offend somebody's sensibilities. Commercially, bunnies and baskets and eggs apparently sell better than the story of Calvary, even with the good news of the resurrection attached. So what can we do? What should we do? By the time you hear this, Easter 2013 will be over. But think about it in time for next year, if we're still here. Maybe the Lord will have returned and taken us to be with himself. Let me ask you, how will bunnies and eggs help the people who refuse to consider the truth of Calvary and Christ's sacrifice while they had a chance? Show us, O oh God of compassion. 
Beautiful the feet that carry this gospel of peace to the fields of injustice and the valleys of need to be a voice, voice of, of hope and healing to answer the cries of the hungry and helpless with the mercy of Christ. What boundless love, what fathomless grace you have shown us, O God of compassion. Each day Now with his message for today, here's our pastor, Alan Lee. Good morning, and greetings once again in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are going to continue with our series of messages, of which this is the sixth, on the topic, The Human Difference, Its Impact Upon the Christians Dealing with the Moral Dilemmas of Our Day. My thesis or proposition for this series is that most, if not all, of the social and moral issues that challenge us today are basically asking one underlining question, and that is, what is man, or is there a human difference? We are seeking to demonstrate the truth that the Christian or theistic worldview provides a better basis and philosophy for living than other competing worldviews, because of the awesome fact that we, Human beings are made in the image of God, the Imago Dei. It is my conviction that the understanding and living out of the inherent implications of this divine reality impacts our response as Christians to such moral dilemmas as abortion, stem cell research, euthanasia, ecology, animal rights, capital punishment, and same-sex marriage as well. Because of the current interest in the latter topic, same-sex marriage, we started to deal with this particular issue last time. I pointed out that there are four major passages in the New Testament that deal with the essential aspects of the relation between men and women and shows light on human sexuality as designed by its creator. And we pointed out that each one of them appeals to the creation stories in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 in order to validate their teaching. This establishes the fact that God has not changed his mind concerning human sexuality since he created it in the Garden of Eden. 
Scriptures show that human sexuality, as originally designed by God, inherently concerns the polarity of the sexes that reflect the Imago Dei, when united as husband and wife, and that this is still God's design and intention today, regardless of what science has contributed to our way of life. No scientific progress can change what God has permanently established as the bedrock of humanity made in his image. We've looked at three of the major biblical texts that deal with human sexuality, and they all validate and confirm this conclusion. Today, we want to look at the fourth and final passage, and that's Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. This amazing, paradigm-shifting text tells us that the union shared by husband and wife makes them one person or one flesh, which is as real as the relation of Christ with his body, the church. And again, the divine validation for this concept is founded upon the original purpose of God, which is cited by the Apostle Paul at the beginning of his teaching in Ephesians 5, verse 31. And I quote that now. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. He is quoting Genesis 2, verse 24 here. He continues in verse 32, he says, This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife even as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respects her husband. End of quote. Now, the mystery here is that of seeing in the union of an earthly marriage between a male and a female, understood as the unity of two who are essentially different, as an image of the union of Christ and the church. This reflects the frequent use of the marriage metaphors for the relation which unites God and God's people, both in the Old and New Testament, and it emphasizes and validates the essential nature and need of male and female sexuality to show what God is like as a triunity. This produces an ethos or background in which human sexuality is enabled to be an imprint of God's covenant with his people. But this fact and reality are predicated on the unalterable polarity of male and female. And so I say again, the Bible is clear. Distorted human sexuality is caused by sin. And it is significant that the first result of sin was a loss of gender security and sexual intimacy. Listen to Genesis 3 verse 7. This is after they had committed the sin now. It says, Then the eyes of both of them, that's Adam and Eve, were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. End of quote. It is significant, I say, that the first result of sin was the loss of gender security and sexual intimacy. Mankind, as male and female, in a covenant one-flesh heterosexual union, remains the biblical standard by which sexual aberrations are determined. As one writer puts it, and I quote, same-sex marriage is therefore a symbol or a symptom of a radical social disorder. In other words, same-sex marriage 
is unrealistic. It is unnatural. The Bible is clear and definitive in this teaching. Homosexuality and same-sex marriage are a specific sinful departure from the will of God. But yet, in love, mercy, and grace, God still reaches out to all who would turn to him from such a lifestyle, even as he does for all other sins as well. Please listen to these glorious, loving, and compassionate words as recorded by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, beginning at verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now notice this glorious verse of Scripture. Verse 11. Such were some of you. Notice, past tense. Such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of God. What a beautiful passage of Scripture this is. God's grace, my friends, reaches out to all of us, regardless of our sin or our past. By placing faith alone in Jesus Christ alone and his death and resurrection for us, we can be completely and absolutely cleansed from any and everything we have ever done that caused us to be separated from a loving God. My friends, listen carefully. The homosexual is no different from any other human being. They too, like us and everyone else, are made in the image of God. And we must therefore treat them with respect and with high regard, just like all other human sinful beings. Why? Because we were all created in the image of God. But as Christians, we must still stand for the truth of the word of God. But we must do so with the same love and compassion as the one, and that's God, who wrote it in the first instance. We must reach out in grace and love and compassion to all, homosexuals included. My friends, that's the love of God. That's the grace of God that reaches out to all. As always, this is Pastor Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast.
I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. Great command is promised, he will surely come again. I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground and our toiling will be happen in a moment, Jesus Christ could come again. I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground and our toiling will be in a moment Jesus Christ could come again